a story Fill up the pages Sing a little song Keep me around Keep me with you Right by your night sand Keep me around As long as you Welcome, everybody, to another episode of ADD Storytelling, the podcast in which we explore the myths and legends of our time, the past, the present, and the future in no particular order, and sometimes with less than perfect focus. As always, we are in the magnificent, radiant presence of our diaphanous neurodivergent hostess, Maddie. Maddie, how the fuck's it going? <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> How the fuck's it going with me, huh? How's it going? How's it doing? I'm doing all right. It's been a lazy week um, of Thanksgiving and things like that. Yeah. Thankful for delays? I am thankful for delays. Fascinating. Yeah, I don't like Thanksgiving. I wish we just replaced it with a different holiday that we still got off. Like Black Friday. It could just be like everybody needs a full week off for Black Friday because it's too much. That's, that's a dystopian setting. I hate it. <laughs> Don't do that. We just call it Nap Week. Yeah, we could have Nap Week. We could have Harvest Nap Week. Sounds good. Yeah. Harvest Gordon naps and gourds. Yeah. Sounds yeah. nice. It's like, a, it's like more resting gourd time. Fucking hilarious concept. What are we talking about today? <laughs> that's so cynical we're not funny at all are we <laughs> we um, may not be funny but you know a group of people that are the italians that's what we're back on today everybody yeah i mean i was gonna say that in two seconds for you yeah, but you were hesitating way too much i gave you two openings you yeah, didn't take I, it i was about to speak okay wow Wow. Italian folklore part two is what we're doing. I have three more tales. Crazy. Tales of Italian folklore. Mm. You ready? My body is primed. (laughs) Ready and open for these tales. They're actually just tales, and we get to comment on them as they go by. Are they maxims? I don't know what maxims means. I'm still reading from Italian folktales. I'm pretty sure they were right about those in Maxim. The Tavo something or other. That guy. That's a good source, Maddie. <laughs> I used well in the last episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so go listen to the first one if you need his full name. It's not our job to cite the sources. You guys got to look it up. You go back and find Italo it. Calvino. That's his name. That name is dripping in Puttanesca sauce. <laughs> it's it's an Italian name, it seems. It's extremely Italian. All right. All right. All right. So the first tale. All right. It's called Catherine the Wise. Okay. I know a wise Catherine. Anyway. My mother? No, this is Catherine with a C. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom is Catherine with a K. Fair enough. <laughs> Here in Palermo, they tell, ladies and gentlemen, oh, I hate that phrase. I'm going to say people instead. Here they tell people that once upon a time, there was a very important shopkeeper in the city. He had a daughter who, from the time she was weaned, 
proved so wise that she was given her say in, on every single matter in the household. This is a wizened baby. Oh, yeah. So this is a big doom. Big doom vibes here. Recognizing the talent of his daughter, her father called her Catherine the Wise. When it came to studying all At sorts of... At what age was she given that name? I does not say. When it came to studying all sorts of languages and reading every kind of book, no one could hold a candle to her. When the girl was 16, her mother died. Catherine was so grief-stricken that she shut herself up in her room and refused to come out. There she ate and slept, shunning all thoughts of strolls, theaters, and entertainment of any kind. That's literally what I've done today. <laughs> <laughs> she is wise. Yes. Good for her. Tucker is very sleepy today. I've shunned all thoughts of entertainment and strolling. <laughs> her father, whose life centered only on this child of his, thought it advisable to hold a council on the matter. He called together all the lords, for even though a shopkeeper, he was on familiar terms with the best people, and said, well, Gentlemen, there's a, there's a backstory there. You are there's aware I have a daughter shit. who is the apple of my eye. I mean, yeah, maybe he's like a mafia. A classic Italian mafia yeah, man. something. But ever since her mother's death, she's been keeping to the house like a cat. I won't for the life of her stick her head outside. The counselor replied, Your daughter is known the world over for her vast wisdom. Open up the big school for her so that she directs others in their studies, and she will get this grief out of her system. That's a splendid idea, said the father, and called his daughter. Listen, my daughter, since you refuse every diversion, I've decided to open up a school and put you in charge of it. How does that suit you? Catherine was instantly charmed. She but took charge. Because he gave her a school? Oh, yeah. She's 16 years old. She gets a school. 16-year-old schoolmaster. Way to go. That's Italian educational system. She took charge of the teachers herself, and they got to the school already. Outside, they put up a sign. Whoever wishes to study at Catherine the Wise's is welcome, free of charge. Numbers of children, both boys and girls, flocked in at once, and she seated them at the desk, side by side, without distinction. Someone piped up, but that boy there is a son of a coal merchant. That makes no difference. The coal merchant's son must sit uh, beside the prince's daughter. First come, first served. She invented that phrase. Sure. And school began. Well, gotta all make all those students come. Oh, yeah. Ew, ew, ew. <laughs> ew, that sounded wrong. I didn't like that. I didn't no. like that at all. No thanks. Oh, oh, Maddie. Oh. Maddie. We'll cut it out. No, I definitely don't want you to cut that out. <laughs> Make sure those students come. Catherine had a cat of nine tails. She taught everyone alike. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> like the whip? Cat of nine tails reminds me of a, our Kitsune episode well, where no, you have a, a cat of nine tails extra is a tails. Logging device. Really? Yes. Oh. What's a cat of nine tails? It's a flogging device. It's for whipping. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Well then. It's like a storage. She taught everyone alike, but woe to those that didn't do their lessons! Exclamation point. The reputation of this. You'll come school... over and get a Catherine's knee. You will no come today. I'll whip you. Man, <laughs> give me the worst look I've ever seen right there. <laughs> I hope you were good. Mm. No the reputation of this school even reached the palace, and the prince himself decided to attend. He dressed up in his regal clothes, came in, found an empty place, and Catherine invited him to sit down. When it was his turn, Catherine asked him a question. The prince didn't know the answer. She dealt him a backhanded blow, from which his cheek still smarts. 
As in maybe to it this hurts. day? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, perpetually. Forever. <laughs> she smacked him real good. Crimson with rage, the prince rose, ran back to the palace, and sought out his father. A favor, I beg, Majesty. I wish to get married. For a wife, I want Catherine the Wise. The king sent for Catherine's father, who went at once, saying, Your humble servant, Majesty. Rise, my son has taken a fancy to your daughter. What are we to do but join them in matrimony? As you will, Majesty. He's big on the whip. Well, she backhanded him. But I am a... (laughs) big into both those. (laughs) But I am a shopkeeper, whereas your son is of royal blood. That makes no difference. My son himself wants her. The shopkeeper returned home. Catherine, the prince wants to wed you. What do you have to say about that? I accept. Nice. All right. Nice. Well, that was easy. The wool for the mattresses was not wanting, no more than the chest of drawers. In a week's time, everything needed had been prepared. The prince assembled a retinue of twelve bridesmaids. The royal chapel was opened, and the couple got married. Following the ceremony, the queen told the bridesmaids to go and undress the princess for bed. Okay. What, uh, do you want to dig into that? Interesting. Dig into it, man. I guess that maybe the wedding dress was big. No, it means you just go fucking plow. All the bridesmaids and the princess? Yeah. Okay. It's like a Disney movie. But the prince said, there's no need of people to undress or dress her or of guards at the door. Why do you think this whip has nine tails? One for each of your bridesmaids, I say. Well, she has twelve. Once he was alone with his bride, he said, Catherine, do you remember the slap you gave me? Are you sorry for it? Sorry for it? If you ask for it, I'll do it again. I slap you right on your pepperoni, chica. There you go. What? You're not sorry. Mm, No. Not in the least. Who, a me? No. And you don't intend to be? Who would? So that's your attitude? Well, I'll teach you a thing or two. Well, this is going in a good direction. He started unwinding a rope with which to lower her through a trap door into a pit. Okay. Damn. He had that in his room, I guess. I, I was imagining him kind of just pulling that out of his sleeve, all uh, like uh, Will Ferrell and Anchorman flute. The rope? Yeah. Well, yeah, the rope I'm somewhere. Completely unprepared for this. He also had a trap door that leads to a pit in his See, room. See, that was premeditated, yeah. What else does he use said pit for? I don't know. What is in the pit? Catherine, he said when the rope was ready. Either you repent. <laughs> I've readied the rope, honey. I had to get it all nice and taut <laughs> first. Oh, give me three minutes while I get the rope ready. Hold on, it has to be preheated. (laughs) Set the oven for the rope, will you? Oh, the rope is too cold. What? what Hold on, it's not ready yet. Did you switch? It's not ready yet. It's okay. I got to wait for the rope. It's nearly ready, sweetie. (laughs) He said, "Either you repent, or I'll let you down into the pit." I'll be cooler there," replied Catherine. She's a stone-faced killer. So the prince tied the rope around her and lowered her into the pit, where all she found was a little table, a chair, a pitcher of water, and a piece of bread. Next morning, according to custom, the mother and father came to greet the new wife. You can't come in, said the prince. Catherine isn't feeling well. Then he went and opened She's the trap door. Pit. What kind of night did you spend? He asked her. Uh, 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 uh. Pleasant. I'm talking to my son about sex. Uh, no, that's what the prince said to Catherine as he opened the door. Oh, yes, sir, about her time in the pit? Yeah. I thought this was Dad asking son, what kind of night have you had if Catherine's in the no, pit? No, 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 they left. Which, oh, all right. Why even include that detail? I, I don't know, because she's still in the pit. I figured. And then Catherine said her night was pleasant and refreshing. 
It's a nice pitch you got down here. I see you got some, you got slime, you got some salamanders. I see. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno you've got down here for me. I thank you. Are you considering the slap you gave me? Yes. I thought about it fondly every time I'm down here looking. I'm thinking of the one I owe you now, she replied. Hey, you know, if this hole I was in was an olive, it would have a pit. Two days went by, and hunger began to nod her stomach. Mm. Not knowing what else to do, she pulled a stray out of her corset and started making a hole in the wall. I I don't know why. A stay. I I really thought you were going to screech. She dug (laughs) and dug, and 24 hours later saw a tiny ray of daylight at which she took heart. She dug through the earth? Yeah, with a a stay from her corset. God, you rule. She made a hole bigger and peered through it. Who should be passing at that moment but her father's clerk? Don Tommaso, Don Tommaso. Don Tommaso couldn't imagine what this voice was coming out of the wall like that. It's me, Catherine the Wise. Tell my father I have to talk to him right away. So she calls herself that. Well, I mean, that's to have someone recognize her. Isn't it her father? No, her father's clerk. Oh. I'm very sleepy. I've been in the pit. (laughs) Don Tommaso returned with Catherine's father, showing him the tiny opening in the wall. Father, as luck would have it, I'm at the bottom of a pit. <laughs> I love how you're really hitting pit hard in this, and that's great. I appreciate that. You must have a passageway dug underground from our palace all the way here, with an arch and an, a light every 20 feet. Leave everything else to me. The sh- shopkeeper agreed to that, and in the meantime, he brought her food regularly, roast chicken and other nourishing dishes, and passed it through the opening in the wall. Three times a day, the prince peered through the trap door. Are you sorry yet, Catherine, for the slap you gave me? Sorry for what? Just imagine the slap you're going to get for me now. The workers... She is a spicy ball. Oh, yeah. The workers finally got the underground passage dug with an arch and a lantern every 20 feet. Catherine would pass through it to her father's house after the prince had lo- looked in on her and reclosed the trap door. It wasn't long before the prince was fed up with trying to get Catherine to apologize. He opened the trap door. Catherine, I'm going to Naples. Have you nothing to tell me? I'm popping out to Naples real quick, sweetie. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. And write me upon your arrival in Naples. So, I should go? Address it to the pit. What? Are you still there? So the prince departed. I like that, though. Write to me once you've arrived in Naples. Just give it to the servant. He'll bring it in here and drop it into the pit that apparently they're all very well aware of. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess. As soon as he shut the trap door, Catherine ran off to her father. Papa, now is the time to help me, said Catherine the Wise, presumably to her papa. Get me a brigantine ready to sail, with housekeeper, servants, festive gowns, all to go to Naples. There, let them rent me a palace across from the royal palace and wait my arrival. Are they on an island? I'm not sure where they are. Palermo, I think. I don't know where Palermo is. I don't know. Catherine the Wise may, may not be that smart if she needs a boat. Well, she might need, like, a little dot one dock to the other. I don't know. Damn. The shopkeeper sent the brigantine off. Meanwhile, the prince had a frigate. Frigate? Ready? And he, too, set sail. She stood on her father's balcony and watched him leave. Then she went aboard another brigantine and was in Naples ahead of him. Oh, uh, it's in Sicily. 
Little vessels, you know, make better time than big ones. What did they say? In Naples, Catherine That's would come out... That's a classic Italian euphemism for the penis. They're always talking about their little vessels. And the great time they make. In Naples, Catherine would come out on a balcony of her palace each day in a lovelier gown than the day before. The prince saw her and exclaimed, How much like Catherine the Wise she is. He fell in love with her and sent a messenger to her palace. People are so fucking stupid in these old stories. My lady, the prince would very much like to pay you a visit, if that wouldn't inconvenience you. By all means, she replied. The king came regally dressed, made a big fuss over her, then sat down to talk. Tell me, my lady, are you married? Have you been in a pit recently? Not yet, are you? Neither am I, isn't it obvious? You resemble a maiden, my lady, who captured my fancy in Palermo. It's the exact same fucking person. I should like you to be my wife. With pleasure, prince. And a week later, they got married. At the end of nine months, Catherine gave birth to a baby boy that I was hate, a marvel to behold. I hate this story now. Princess, asked the prince, what shall we call him? Naples, said Catherine. So they named him Naples. Two years went by, and the prince decided to leave town. Where does he think pit wife is? The princess didn't like it, but he had made up his mind and couldn't be swayed. He drafted a document for Catherine saying the baby was his firstborn and in time would be king. Then he left for Genoa. As soon as the prince was gone, Catherine wrote her father and sent a brigantine to Genoa immediately with furniture, housekeeper, servants, and all the rest, and have them rent her at a palace opposite the royal palace of Genoa and await her arrival. The shopkeeper loaded a ship and set off to Genoa. Catherine also took a brigantine and reached Genoa before the prince. She settled down in her new palace, and when the prince saw this beautiful young lady with her royal coiffure, jewels, and wealth, he exclaimed, how much like Catherine the wise she is, and it. also my wife in Naples. <laughs> he dispatched a messenger to her. What's she been calling herself for these last two years? Not sure. It doesn't really seem to matter to the other guy. It doesn't seem to matter. She can just say, my name is Brick, and she'll, he'll be fine with it. Because he's just like, wow, you look similar. <laughs> oh, okay. He's got a type. Well, yeah, I guess he does. <laughs> a really specific type. He dispatched a messenger to her. object permanence? And sent back words she would be happy to receive the prince. They began talking. Are you single? Asked the prince. Fuck me, I hate this. A widow. Answered Catherine. She's less Catherine the Wise and Catherine the just by relatively speaking much more intelligent than this dipshit prince. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's Catherine of very average intelligence and <laughs> Prince Pasta the dipshit. We don't know how smart she could be. Very smart. She could be, but I'm just saying, like she hasn't done anything that's exceptionally smart so far. Well, they said she was smart. Yeah, and this is also the town of people that would like. uh Build their villages on sheer cliff faces. I mean, whatever. We do and, that. Yeah, but those guys were real dumb. I don't know about that. Yeah, Duke. Take advantage of him, that stinky Duke, the best boy. <laughs> and then that old lady with the skin suit. <laughs> They're all quite stupid. This is a different um, thing. Still Italy. I'm a widower with one son, he says. By the way, you look just like a lady I used to know in Palermo, not to mention one I knew in Naples. Really, we have all seven devils in the world, so they say. Thus, to make a long story short, they became man and wife in one week's time. Nine months later, Catherine gave birth to another boy, even handsomer than the first. The prince was happy. Princess, what shall we call him? Also, fuck Catherine, if this is, because I'm assuming this is all building to some sort of just huge slap. She's having children. 
as a part of this long con, this grift. Oh, yeah, she wants to still slap him, but yeah, she also wants to this, be his wife, it's apparently, because she keeps send, setting him up to get married with her again. And having fucking kids. But yeah, she's second kid. <laughs> I like her. I think it's funny. Genoa. And so they named him Genoa. Cool. Two years went by, she's and the king grew restless creative. once more. She's just in places and naming her kids that. This is my child, Bakersfield. <laughs> this is my child, Reno. I hate both of them. It's like that. Um, it's like in Four Christmases when they name their I've kids after the children um, that they're conceived in. And Wait, then, what? Did the children they're conceived in? No, the cities in which they were conceived. Yeah, it's very much like that, Maddie. It's, it's exactly it's like the that. Literal, it's the same and thing. And then Vince Vaughn was named Orlando, and then you changed his name to Brad. Has Reese Witherspoon also. So I love Four Christmas. Anyway, I watched cool. it with my mom. Yeah. Okay. I don't like this bond though. It's weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're going off like that and leaving me with a child on my hands? Asked the princess. I'm drawing up a document for you, the prince reassured her, stating that this is my son and a little prince. While he made preparations to leave for Venice, Catherine wrote her friend... Does he have to do that to be able to remember who people are? I guess. <laughs> While he made preparations to leave for Venice, Catherine wrote her father in Palermo for another brigand... I bet she's not even changing her name. Hmm. With servants, like housekeeper... Catherine for all of these. Furniture, new clothes, and all. The brigantine sailed off to Venice. The prince departed on the frigate. The princess left another brigantine and arrived. Frigate, like frigate, frigate. You said it like Christoph Waltz. <laughs> Departed on the frigate. <laughs> the princess arrived before he did again. No, you don't need to like take all emotion out of your voice. <laughs> it's good. Heavens! Exclaimed the prince when he beheld the beautiful oh, lady heavens. at her casement. She too looks exactly like my wife in Genoa. Fuck me! This who is looks so exactly stupid. like my wife in Naples? Who looked exactly like Catherine the Wise? But how can this be? Catherine is in Palermo, shut up in the pit. And <laughs> wasn't that four years ago? The Neapolitan is in Naples. The Genoese is in Genoa. Well, this one is in Venice. He sent a messenger to her and then went to meet her. Would you believe, my lady, that you look like several other ladies I know? <laughs> one in Palermo, one in Naples, one in Genoa. Indeed, we were supposed to have seven doubles in this life. Unless they continued their customary talk. Are you married? No, I'm a widow. And you? I'm just imagining... I'm a widower with two sons. And each time, they were married. The guys from Jersey Shore listening to this tale as children being like, Yo, that's fucking crazy. These chicks all look the same? Wow. Well, yeah, this is this fucking weird, but you know? I mean, that's just fucking how it goes in Italy, baby. Oh, yeah, just fucking <laughs> fine-ass chicks all over town, all the different cities. They all look the same, but they're different. <laughs> I wish your face was visible. Oh. <laughs> Good face. <sighs> hey, you look just like my wife in a pit. This time, Catherine had a little girl, radiant like the sun and moon. Cool. What shall we call her? asked the prince. Please. Venice. Fuck. And so they baptized her Venice. Two years. They just dunk her in the canals of Venice. Two more years went by. Listen, princess, I have to go back to Palermo. But first, I'm drawing up a document that spells out that this is my daughter and a royal princess. He departed, but Catherine reached Palermo first. 
She went to her father's house, she got walked through the underground passage, and back into the pit. As soon as the prince arrived, he ran and pulled up the trap door. Hey, it's been, it's been eight years. How are you? My rope is almost ready, honey. Me? I'm fine. Are you sorry for the slap you gave me? Have you thought about the slap I owe you? Come, Catherine, say you're sorry. Otherwise, I'll take another wife. Go right ahead. No one's stopping you. But if you say you're sorry, I'll take you back. No. <laughs> the prince then formally declared that his wife was dead and that he intended to remarry. He wrote all the kings for portraits of their her? daughters. No, he's. I think he just decided so to leave her in the pit. Keeps her in the pit. All right. He wrote all the kings for portraits of their daughters. The portraits arrived, and the most striking was of the king of England's daughter. The prince summoned mother and daughter to conclude their marriage. The entire royal family of England arrived in Palermo, and the wedding was set for the morrow. What did Catherine do in the meantime but have three fine royal outfits readied for her three children, Naples, Genoa, and Venice? This is fantasy now. I don't think the the English royal family ever went entirely went to Sicily. She I mean, they might up. send, like, a third cousin or something. But I don't think all of them were like, we should go to Sicily. <laughs> it's important. This guy wants to see our daughter. Yeah, maybe. She dressed up like the queen she actually was, took the hand of Naples, clothed as crown prince, climbed into the ceremonial carriage. Did you say clown prince? Crown prince. Crown. Did you say clown prince? No. Could you re-record it as crown prince? <laughs> followed by the Prince Genoa and Princess Venice, and they rode off to the palace. The wedding procession with the prince and the daughter of the King of England was approaching, and Catherine said to her children, Naples, Genoa, Venice, go and kiss your father's hand, and the children ran up to kiss the prince's hand. At the sight of them, the prince could only admit defeat. This is the slap you were to give me, he exclaimed, and embraced the children. The princess of England was dumbfounded. She turned her back on everybody and stalked off. Catherine explained all the mystery to her husband about the ladies who looked so much alike, and the prince couldn't apologize enough for what he had done. Isn't a twist here? There's no twist. There's no twist to this mystery. They lived happily ever after. There's all those people that look like me. They were me. How could they? They all look like you. I know. Isn't that wild? Those people that looked and acted just like me, they were me. Wow. (laughs) I saw all the naked, and they all looked just like you. How could that be? It's because they were me. Yeah. What a fucking Italian twist this is. Thanks, Italy. They lived happily ever after. They well, did? here we sit, grinding our teeth. The fuck is that? That's what? That's the end of the tale. That's... All of them have something like that. I mean, I am grinding my teeth, they're right, because it's a, just a frustrating fucking story. <laughs> Why would they live happily ever after? He put her in a pit. He kept her in a pit for eight years, yeah. He kept her there. He's into it. Alright, it's Tucker's turn. Tucker's turn about Italian what? fun facts. Oh, okay, Italian fun facts. Let's do it. Cats have rights. What do you mean? <laughs> Romans are said to adore their feline friends so much that they are considered, quote, a biocultural heritage, end quote. Anyone convicted of killing a cat, owned or a stray, could face a 10,000 pound fine. That's three years in, 
uh, cat prison. It is estimated that Rome Alone, Rome Alone is a great movie. What? Uh, Rome Alone. Oh, I get it. Home Alone. It's where they leave Macaulay Culkin to the Coliseum. I see, I see. It's home to around 300,000 cats, the only residents who are permitted to explore the ruins whenever they like. Those are the cats. Incidentally, <laughs> in 2011, an Italian cat inherited over 10 million dollars. 10 billion pounds after its 94-year-old owner passed away, making it the third richest animal in the world. Is that the what the Aristocats that... is based off of? No, this is real shit. The fact <laughs> that there are richer animals is incredible. The owner, Maria Asundan, Asunta, left her, quote, entire estate, end quote, to the cat under the care of a trusted nurse. <laughs> Who is next on the will? I don't fuck it. Does, yeah, right? Her kids. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Are you ready for our next tale? Yeah. Or do you want to do it? You can do another fact if you want. Italian police force use Lamborghinis. <laughs> no, they don't. If one thing's for sure, Italian car thieves must be few in number, seen as the local police waiting in the wings behind the wheels of one in the fastest cars in the world. But there are, apparently, several Lamborghini Huracan police vehicles in use in Italy. Okay, that's a Lamborghini. A police a, Lamborghini. Yeah, it's a police Guini. Why do this? I'm because so they're, confused. they're Italian. I guess. <laughs> Such, that's so fucking stupid. Are the streets even wide enough for a Lamborghini? Yeah, right? Well, like, in Europe, like, People actually use their bumpers to, like, push cars. Because the streets are so tiny, they actually, like, nudge and push cars out of the way. To, like, park in certain spots and to, like, get around certain corners and through alleys and shit. So, a, I don't know, a tactical assault vehicle being a large, fast Lamborghini. <laughs> You're just gonna fuck that thing up immediately. Ah, whatever. The cat's thing was more upsetting. It's pretty funny. Kids are by law. Uh, they have to watch the movie Cats in school. Okay, are you ready for this one? Yeah. It's called The One-Handed Murderer. <laughs> there was once a miser king, so miserly that he kept his only daughter in the garret. For Do you fear really someone need to hit that ask... adjective twice? Said so miserly. Yeah, there was once a crippled king. So crippled that <laughs> he just told us. This It's describing how miserly he is. There was once a sad divorced dad. So sad and divorced. He's <laughs> <laughs> exactly that literary device, yes. They're saying how severe their miserliness. How severe is the miserliness? So miserly that he kept his only daughter... In the garret, yes, for fear and. someone would ask for her hand, and thus oblige him to provide her with a dowry. Oh, that's a miserly-ass king. One day a murderer came to town. <laughs> Are you ready? Columbus is here! Hey! Hey, everybody, it's our friend Christopher. One day a murderer came to town and stopped at the inn across the street from the king's palace. Right away he wanted to know It's who a me murderer. There. That's the home of the king, he was told. So miserly yes, let the murderer know that. That he keeps his daughter in a garret. So what does the murderer do at night but climb up on the king's roof and open the small garret window? 
probably what he's going to do. It's a murderer. Lying in bed, the princess saw the window open and a man on the ledge. Help! Burglar! She screamed. And he's like, no, 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 not to burgle. I'm a murderer. The murderer closed the window and fled over the rooftops. The servants came running, saw the window closed, and said, Your Highness, you were dreaming. There's no one there. Kick-ass servants. Very good. Top-notch. Then they got back in their Lamborghini (laughs) and went about with their evening. (laughs) The next morning, she asked her father to let her out of the garret, but the king said, Your fears are imaginary. No one in the world would ever think of coming up here. Isn't it? But it's public knowledge that a murderer showed up yesterday. Well, I guess he hasn't been saying that he's a murderer, but we know as the people that he is a murderer. Anyway, the second night, the murderer opened the window at the same hour. His Italian stories are... Help, burglar, screamed the princess. Master classes. But again, he got away, and no one would believe her. The third night, she fastened the window with a strong chain, and with a pounding heart, stood guard all by herself, holding a knife. The murderer tried to open the window, but couldn't. He thrust in one hand... And the princess cut it clean off with the wrist. You wretch, cried the murderer. You'll pay for that. That's usually how someone responds when they lose a hand. And fled over the rooftops. The princess showed the king in the court the amputated hand. And everybody finally and believed was, her and, and complimented like, oh, her courage. You, you <laughs> get, get, give me that. Let me put it in the Lamborghini's glove box. But you silly. You're a woman. From that day on, she no Back longer in slept theory. in the garret. Where'd she sleep now? The pit? It doesn't say. <laughs> Not too long after that, the king received a request for an audience from an elegant young stranger who wore gloves. Yeah, that's good. That's he probably... Was... <laughs> cool. And the king's just like, sure. <laughs> gloves hide hidden intentions. Hidden secrets? Indeed. Coincidence? <laughs> he was so well-spoken mm. Oh. that the king took an instant liking to him. You sound like a murderer, but I love your gloves. Talking of this and that, the stranger mentioned that he was a bachelor in search of a genteel bride, whom he would marry without a dowry, being so wealthy himself. Hearing that, the king thought, this is just the husband for my daughter, and sent for her. The minute the princess saw the man, she shuddered, having the strong impression she already knew him. Once yeah, she was alone... Was his face gloved, too? Because she definitely saw his face, right? Well, no, he just broke it through the window and then screamed, and it was the middle of the night and it was dark. So I don't think she really saw his face very clearly. Italian nights are very light. The sun doesn't go down in the summers in Italy. It stays light for 24 hours a day. We don't know when this was. It could have been before street lights. You're right. It could have been in winter. In winter. Well, yeah. it stays dark for three months at a time. <laughs> That's why Parmesan's white. It's because the sun never hits it. So it's pale. When she was alone with her father, she said, Majesty, I'm all but sure that's the burglar whose hand I cut off. (laughs) Nonsense, replied the king. Didn't you notice his beautiful hands and elegant gloves? He's a nobleman beyond any shadow of a doubt. To make a long story short, the stranger asked for the princess's hand, and to obey her father and escape his tyranny, she said yes. Did you pick the stories that just, like, really involve stupid people for me? Because it's very fun. I picked these because I thought that they were worthy of podcast inclusion. Because yeah, I am like... a great literature person. Yes, you've uh, done a great job curating these tales. They're really uh, <laughs> highlighting human depravity. <laughs> the descendants of whoever wrote these fables are like the people that are bankrolling Kevin James movies. <laughs> 
I like see. a mall cop. There's a through line here, yeah. <laughs> little zookeeper, here comes the bear, the mall cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wedding was short and simple. Since the bridegroom couldn't remain away from his business, and the king was unwilling to spend any money. What was the business? He gave his daughter... I'm not sure I got off. This is, a, this is an audio medium. It doesn't say. Okay. He's, I mean, we know he's the murderer, so <laughs> <laughs> that's his business. He gave Sorry. his daughter, for a bridal present, a walnut necklace and a worn-out foxtail. Then the newlyweds Is he drove a fucking gnome? At once in the carriage. What do you mean a walnut necklace and a foxtail? That's Since when did he become a fucking, like, woodland critter? Yeah, he's a troll, I guess. The carriage entered a forest, but instead of following the main road, it turned off onto a scarcely visible trail that led deeper and deeper into the underbrush. When they had gone some distance, the bridegroom said, Metaphor time. My dear, pull off my glove. Yeah, this has all just become metaphor. She did and discovered a stump. Help! She cried, (laughs) realizing she'd married the man whose hand she'd cut off. You're in my power now, said the man. You were so deep in the underbrush when you pulled off my glove and revealed my stump. I'm a murderer by profession, mind you. By profession? I'll now get even with you for so, maiming me. So what What was his... Uh, okay. So he murders <laughs> by profession. He's a professional he, murderer. Yeah, huh? And he was trying to get up into that garret to kill her to make money? Well, actually, I'm not sure why he went up to the garret. Yeah, no, because none of this makes any goddamn sense. But he's a murderer by profession. By profession? Yeah. Mm, yes, you've discovered my trade. My grisly... I c- my grisly occupation. It's the ice man. The murderer's house. actually got paid. He gets paid by murder. No, you don't get paid by murder. He just said, I'm a murderer by profession. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's a professional murder. You can't say I'm a couch boy by profession. You can if you make money doing it. If by couch boying? Sure. What the fuck? He's got a live stream. I drink water by profession. The murderer's house was at the edge of a forest by the sea. Here I've stored all the treasure of my victims, he said, I, I can pointing ri- to the house. I can and write, you will stand guarded. I can write it off on my taxes, as murder is my profession. Oh, damn. He chained her to a tree in the front of the house and walked off. I'm allowed to do that as a murderer by profession, you know. The princess remained by herself, tethered like a dog, and before her was the sea, over which a ship glided from time to time. Ships can go. She tried signaling to a passing ship. On board, they saw her through the telescope and sailed closer to see what the matter was. The crew disembarked, and she told them her story. So they set her free and took her aboard, together with all the murderer's treasure. It was the ship of cotton merchants, who thought it was wise to conceal the princess and all the treasure underneath bales of cotton. Put her in the fucking cotton! The murderer returned and found his wife gone and the house ransacked. She could have only escaped by sea, he thought to himself, and then saw the ship disappearing into the distance. Ah, damn seamen! He got into his swift sailboat and caught up with the ship. Uh, All that cotton overboard, he overed. I must find my wife who has fled. Tiny boats. Do you want to ruin us? Asked the merchant. Yes, probably. He's a a murderer by trade. Why not run your sword through the bales to see if anyone's hiding in them? What? The murderer started piercing the cotton with his sword and before long wounded the girl hitting there. But as he drew his sword out, the cotton wiped off the blood. The sword came out clean. Listen, said the sailors. We saw another ship approaching the coast, that one down there. I'll investigate at once, said the murderer. He left the ship carrying cotton and directed a sailboat toward the other ship. The girl, who had received a mere scratch on her arm. She got driven through. They're, they're rewriting this. Was put ashore in a safe port. But she protested, saying, uh, Bye-bye! Throw me into the sea! Throw me into the sea! Why? Why? What? I'm not sure. 
The sailors talked the matter over, and one old-timer in their midst, whose wife had no children, offered to take the girl home with him, and together with part of the murderer's jewels. The sailor's wife was a good old soul and gave her a mother's love. Poor dear, you will be our own daughter. You are such good people, said the girl. I'm going to ask just one favor. Let Throw me, me into the sea! <laughs> let me always stay inside and be seen by no man. Don't worry, dear. No one ever comes to our house. <laughs> so her miserly miser of a miserly father was the one that treated her right then by keeping her in that garret. That's I mean, the maybe. moral of the story? Uh, well, we're not done. We still got another page and a half. <laughs> the old man sold a few jewels and brought embroidery silk, so the girl spent her time embroidering. She made exquisite tablecloths working it into every color and design in the sun, and the old woman took it to the nearby house of a king to sell. But who does this fine work? asked the king. One of my daughters, majesty, replied the old woman. Go on, that doesn't look like the work of a sailor's daughter, said the king, I and bought the tablecloth. The old woman used the money to buy more silk, and the girl embroidered a beautiful folding screen, which the old woman also took to the king. Is this really your daughter's work? asked the king. He was still suspicious, and secretly followed her home. Just as the old woman was closing her door, the king walked up and stuck his foot in it, and the old woman let out a cry. Hearing the cry from her room, the girl thought the murderer had come for her and fainted from fright. The old woman and the king came in and tried to revive her. She opened her eyes, and seeing that it was not the murderer, regained her senses. But what are you so afraid of? asked the king, charmed with this girl. Didn't recognize his daughter? It's no. just my bad luck, she There's replied, people, they, and would say nothing more. So the king started going to that house every day. Oh, wait. No, maybe this is a different king. You know how there are so many kings? I am becoming acutely aware of that, yeah. I think this is a different king. Or is this all a dig on how all Italians look the same? No. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> no, you're named Luca as well. No. So the king started going to that house every day to keep the girl company and watch her embroider. He had fallen in love with her, and finally asked for a hand in marriage. You can just imagine the old people's amazement. Amazement. Their, their amazement. <laughs> That's like when you feel really excited and, like, profound on Christmas. You feel amazement. Amazement. Majesty. Clown wife. Majesty. Clown wife. We are poor people, they began. No matter, I'm interested in the girl. I am willing, said the maiden, but on one condition. What is that? I refuse to see all men, regardless of who they are, except you and my father. She does. She now called the old sailor her father. I will neither see them nor be seen by them. The king consented to that. Jealous beyond measure, he was delighted she wanted to see no man but him. Thus they were married in secret, so that no man would see her. The king's subjects were not at all happy over the matter, so for when had a king ever married without showing the people his wife? The strangers of rumors began circulating. He's married a monkey. He's married a hunchback. He's married a witch. Why not all three? Nor were the people the only ones to a gossip. Hunchback, hunchback monkey witch. The highest dignitaries of the court also talked. So the king was forced to say to his wife, you must appear in public for one hour and put an end to all these rumors. The poor thing had no choice but to obey. Very well. Tomorrow morning from eleven till noon, I will appear on the terrace. At eleven o'clock, the square was more packed than it had ever been. People had come from all over the country, even from the backwoods. The bride walked onto the terrace. And a murmur of admiration went up from the crowd. Never had they seen so beautiful a queen. She, however, scanned the crowd with uneasiness. And there in its midst stood a man cloaked in black. Ray Liotta. 
He brought his hand to his mouth and bit it in a threatening gesture, what? then held up his other arm, Hold which up. ended in a stump. Maddie, can you imitate that threatening gesture? Put his hand to his mouth and bit it in yeah. a threatening... Ah! Maybe. I don't That's know. It's fucking horrifying. I'm not sure. Woe be to anyone who ever has to see that. The queen sank to the ground in a swoon. Oh. They carried her inside at once, and the old woman said over and over, You would have to show her off. You would have to show her off. You would have to show her off against her will. Now just see that what's happened. The queen was put to bed, and then all the doctors were called in, but her illness baffled everyone. I see that this story is about to end, and it feels like that's going to be abrupt. <laughs> she insists on remaining shut up and seeing no one, and she trembled all the time. This is anxiety, you guys. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Say, yeah. Well, meanwhile, the king received a visit from a well-to-do foreign gentleman with a glad tongue and full of flat... And gloves. The king invited him to stay for dinner. The stranger, who was none other than the murderer, graciously accepted... Once again, once again, Italy... Give us an actual twist. And ordered wine for everyone in the royal palace. Ooh, wow, it's the murder? <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> Casks, barrels, and demijohns were brought in at once, but every drop of the wine had been drugged. That evening, guards, servants, ministers, and everyone else drank their fill, and by night, they were dead drunk and snoring, the king loudest of all. Murder went through twist. the palace, making sure... This is scary, right? No. He drugged the whole palace so they could get to her. The murderer went through the palace, making sure that on the stairs, in the corridors, and in all the rooms, there was no one who wasn't flat on his back and sleeping. That must have taken quite a bit of time. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a castle, right? It is a castle. Yeah, so he's going to have spent a couple hours doing that? At least? Oh, sure. Who knows? And with one hand, that's going to slow you down. Oh, yeah, you can't you can't move as fast if you only have one hand. Man, he only has one hand to walk with. <laughs> then he tiptoed into the queen's room and found her hunched up in a corner of her bed and wide-eyed, almost as though she expected him. The hour has come for my revenge. But who could have expected this twist? Hissed the murderer. Lyra didn't miss it. Try that again. The hour has come for my revenge. That was no hiss. Get out of bed and fetch me a basin of water to wash the blood from my hands when I've cut your throat. Right. Scary. The queen ran out of her room and to her husband. Wake up, for heaven's sake, wake up. But she, he slept on. Everyone in the whole palace slept, and there was no way in the world to wake him up. She got the basin of water and returned to her room. Bring me soap, too, ordered the murderer, as he sharpened his knife. She went out, tried once more to rouse her husband, but to no avail. She then returned with the soap and the towel. She went out, got the pistol off her sleeping husband, wrapped it in the towel, and making a motion to the hand the towel to the murderer, fired a shot point blank to his heart. Flat twist. That was a pretty good twist At the shot, the drunk people all woke at the same time, and with the king in the lead, ran into her room. They found the murderer slain, and the queen freed at last from her terror. Very good. That was a good murder story, that's right? A, that's a good some like a Victorian murder mystery bullshit there. Yeah, totally. It's good. It's good, 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 good. Um, well, let's do. You know what else is good? Huh? What's the average it? Italian consumes twenty five kilograms of pasta per year? Well, that makes sense. I like that fun fact because it's <laughs> heartless and uh, it kind of treats. The, 
just a person of a specific country, like a farm animal, <laughs> in in its wording. <laughs> the wild Italian consumes 25 kilograms of pasta. For some perspective, that's about the weight of your carry-on luggage onto a plane. Are you kidding? No. That still doesn't seem like that much, like, I feel like I've had pasta. more pasta than that this month. Really? We haven't eaten that much, Yeah, like, I also have just my pocket gnocchis that I'm bunching up. Oh, yeah. Pocket gnocchis? <laughs> you like two is good? I think two is good. Alright. It's been 50 minutes or so. Be mm-hmm. a little shorter. Sure. Those were fun. Those were, those were delightful tales of Italian. What would you call it? Uh, rapscallionism. Rapscallionism. Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> Antics. Antics, huh? Buffoonery. Seduction, intrigue. Lithe, writhing. There's a lot of, yeah, there was sex, there was murder, there was violence, there was uh, cavorting. I guess sex in the sense that they had children. Yeah, that usually implies sex. I guess so. Maddie. (laughs) One usually comes with the other. I guess so. And there were all those kids at the school that she made come, and her cat of nine tails. And Maddie looks like she wants to say something, but now she's just shaking her head at me instead. She looks very upset. She's masking it with a laugh. <laughs> she got what do, you, what do you want to say? So if you would like to be involved... With the Cat of Nine Tales event that we're planning... No. No? In our podcast, you can support us at Anchor FM, ADD Storyteller. And then also, if you want to send us any cool Italian tales or any other tales that you would like us to further investigate... Do you have any tales about... Cat crimes that have led to the the ten thousand pound fine. Oh, cat crimes in Italy would be really good. Also, Italian cat crimes ghost could stories? be Italian cat crimes could be its own podcast. All the things. No, yeah. just just Italian cat crimes, not all the things. No, man, no, not all the things. Just Italian cat crimes. You can email us at ADD. Must be an Italian cat crime division. You can email us at addstoryteller at gmail Hold on, I'm, nice. yeah, no, you can hear it, but I'm just, I'm rapidly Googling Italian cat crimes, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for listening. Tell your friends. We'll see you next week. Uh. Also, happy Hanukkah to the people that celebrate Hanukkah. First thing that came up was, mob believed to use flaming cats to start forest fires in Sicily. <laughs> so that's a bit of a bummer. Um. I'll yeah. dig into that more, though. Thanks for joining us. I've been Tucker. I don't think I even said my name at the beginning. You're Tucker. I'm Maddie. Hi. Bye. I'm I'm Ethan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ethan. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye, I'm Ethan.